and welcome to the Nursing Standard podcast. I'm Flavia Munn, the editor of Nursing Standard, and we have a very special show for you in store today. We've got a bit of a Christmas cracker, probably complete with some very poor puns, and also, hopefully, no tats included. So I've brought together some of my colleagues um, who are going to talk to us about a number of things, uh, working at Christmas, also receiving gifts as a nurse, and also some stories about being a good Samaritan throughout the year. So let's start by introducing everyone in the room. So Jason? Hello, my name is Jason and I'm an ex-mental health nurse and I work on Nursing Standard on the clinical desk. Hello everyone, I'm Richard Hatchett and I'm the senior nurse editor for Nursing Standard and RCNI and my background, I'm a registered nurse and my background is cardiac and intensive care nursing. Hi there, I'm Claire Lomas. I'm the Career Development Editor on Nursing Standard and I'm also a nurse by background, also a cardiac nurse uh, predominantly, but also a research nurse, thrombosis research nurse as well. Hello, I'm Kat Keogh. I'm News Editor of uh, Nursing Standard. Lovely, and you've already heard from me. So, who is willing to start by sharing a story about working at Christmas? Richard. (laughs) Oh, okay, who's looking at me? Okay, um... (laughs) Uh, the one that I always remember was when I worked on paediatrics at St Mary's in Paddington, which is in London. And we were given a gingerbread house for Christmas for the children, which is, was about the size of a, um, a grocery box, you know, with a, with a little roof on, a little iced windows. And they put a little light inside. And they said, after Christmas, we're going to get a big hammer and smash this house to pieces which I was particularly looking forward to, to give out a little piece to everybody. It was like a toffee gingerbread house. Yeah. <laughs> but we couldn't do that because what we found was that all the toddlers were crowding round the house and licking the walls at this <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and encouraging each other to do it. So it was slowly turning from a house. Risk. Yes, infection risk. It was, it was turned from a house into a bungalow, Flavia, before your very eyes. So I never knew, I never knew what happened to that. But I remember that Christmas because the only thing I got for Christmas that day was chicken pox. Because, oh. um, you know, you know, yeah, exactly. You've had chicken pox Around before. Around children. Yeah, yeah. you've had chicken pox. I had, but I had it mildly. So in the new year, I was off with chicken pox. For, so that was a memorable Christmas. Oh, nice. So anyone else to share, um, Jason? I, yeah, I, I, at Christmas on uh, mental health units... I don't really remember, there wasn't anything uh, particularly funny like that, but I just remember a general relaxing of the normal rules. So patients would be given brandy and sherry, um, there'd be a Christmas (laughs) dinner, maybe some entertainment, somebody might come in with an organ and play some Christmas songs. No dinner the rest of the year. (laughs) There was definitely a Christmas lunch and, and presents, presents were bought. They're from Petty Cash, I remember that. But I don't remember any, there was no gingerbread house, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so no memorable present No memorable, no. 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 Oh, okay. Uh, do you know, it's uh, funny, isn't it? Because it's about 15 years since I worked Christmas um, on a ward, and I didn't do that many, but the one thing, like you said, I do remember, the patients always got presents. Yeah. And to help jog my memory, I contacted a couple of my friends when I knew I was doing this, and one said that that still happens now, yeah. and where she works, the chief executive or a member of the board goes around all the wards to wish everybody Merry Christmas. But the one thing I remember mostly, I think, is the, the sense of... 
the camaraderie between the staff and the, but we needed to really make it as happy as we could for the patients because even though it's hard for the staff working Christmas yeah. Day it's worse for the patients obviously because mm-hmm. they we can go home at night after the yeah. shift uh, and so everybody was always I mean we had tinsel in our hair I don't think that would pass infection control <laughs> rules these days yeah. but the camaraderie amongst the staff was great and I remember one year when because my family are up north, so my boyfriend at the time and his brother stayed in London, uh, so that when we, after me and a couple of my colleagues had finished our shift, we were all went back to my house, they'd cooked us a massive Christmas dinner, and that was for people who, because, you know, if your family lived further away, what do you do, you know? So we all would pile in and we'd all go around there, which works out a little bit better than one of my friends, who was, um, her and another colleague, was, she worked in A&E, and they were sent home early from their shift so they could cook Christmas dinner for all the day shift, and let's just say they maybe had one or too many glasses of champagne, too many, <laughs> and burnt the turkey, but they all ate it anyway, so nobody really minded. But, uh, yeah, the overriding thing, I think, is just making it as, you know, as positive an environment as you can, as I'm sure everybody yeah. continues to do these days for the patients. And I do remember, actually, the shift patterns were interesting as well, weren't they? Because yeah. I, remember, I remember my mum celebrating Christmas about three days after Christmas, because of course I could never be sometimes you had Christmas off sometimes you had to work New Year's Eve sometimes you work etc etc so I remember actually Christmas shifting around in my Mm. parents house to Mm. accommodate me yes (laughs) yes always nice yes Okay, so Kat, you've got some stories about uh, people receiving gifts and, and some of the, the strange gifts uh, nurses have got over the years. Yeah, I have indeed. Um, I mean, gifts and uh, you know, offer of gifts and gifts received by nurses has been something we've looked into for, for, I mean, the last six or seven years on Nursing Standard. There's loads of stories on our website about it, but I had a bit of a, a trawl through the archive when I knew we were recording this today, and the, the brilliant examples. I mean, there's everything from a Rolex to a few trouts. I don't know what. You know, I, I need to see whether you know. I don't think they were landlocked. No, no, no turkeys. So it's not that Christmassy. But you know, it was just trouts seemed to be the thing in about 2016 or 17. Mm. Um, but you know, everything from gig tickets to I mean, cash to in envelopes and left on beds when a patient's been discharged I mean you get the um, the obvious ones like chocolates, uh, sweets um, you know bottles of um, alcohol and that kind of thing but I suppose this time of year it will be when this comes to the fore because you'll get a lot of grateful patients, families, visitors coming in with um, boxes and chocolates and there's always that um, ethical dilemma on what you can yeah. do to, you know, what you can accept, but also the art of refusing, I think. And is not, not offending. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, we have a, um, a writer who's our careers advice coach, basically, a woman called Mandy Day Calder, who writes a lot of pieces for us. And she did one on this, on how do you refuse a gift, um, but politely? Mm. Because obviously, if you say, I'm not accepting that, they could get offended. And her advice was, you know, to always show respect. Do it as respectfully as you possibly can. And also then explain to people why you can't receive it. Because the NMC code says you must refuse all but the most trivial gifts, favours or hospitality, as accepting them could be interpreted as attempt to gain preferential treatment. 
So you want preferential treatment by giving someone a trout. <laughs> I think that might work better with the Rolex. <laughs> yeah, definitely. But it's not easy, is it, to refuse. So she says, you know, do it politely and explain to people why you can't accept the gift. But most of the time we got the usual things. We got chocolates, we got biscuits, we got fruit baskets, which, you know, you, you, you get all year round, but especially at Christmas, you get really nice and they can be shared. chocolates. I mean, they can be shared, because we used to say, well, I'll put that on the nurse's station for everybody, because mm. I think there might be a feeling of the individual getting yeah. it. So I would always follow policy and procedure, obviously, but would normally say, well, that's very kind, I'll put that in the kitty for when we all go out, or yeah. um, mm. I'll put that on the desk, um, you know, so at least... It was transparent, mm. you know. And you don't want um, people as well just giving all healthy foods, do you? You know, you want some chocolate, don't you, oh, at Christmas? Yeah. At yeah. Christmas. Oh, it's, it's funny, isn't it? Because I, um, I'm, I'm not a nurse by background, but it was about a year ago. Um, my son had an operation, and uh, he was at Chelsea and Westminster. And I asked a few nursing friends, I really want to get something. And there was one particular nurse who was fantastic, but... I'd known from doing this story over the years that, you know, you, you can't give a huge present worth £200 to a nurse. So in the end, um, there was a very busy Costa coffee um, in the foyer of the hospital. So I just went and got, you know, a few £5 vouchers. And mm. so it meant that, OK, you yeah. could give a sort of thank you card to that particular nurse, but also, that you know, the colleagues were fantastic. And I think that, that kind of went down, that went down well, but... I know I was, I was talking to um, a family member who's a nurse and when she got married she was a practice nurse mm-hmm. and the patients turned up the week before she was taking her time off um, to get married. I mean she had everything from like Waterford Crystal, carriage, clocks, oh, wow. money, every you know and, and it really was the art of the, the sort of refusal and not mm. offending really yeah. it was really important because mm. there were a lot of long-standing patients who she'd see time and time again yeah so yeah. Um, yeah. I think she she did have to you know, do it quite tactfully. Um, mm. But she said, she, you know, she could have filled the boot of a car with wow. with presents. So. And I mean, the advice from Mandy, uh, one of the other things she says is to listen, you know, take the opportunity to ask how your patient really is and listen to what they're saying. Because, you know, you may not be able to accept the gift mm. from mm. them, but that doesn't mean to say that you can't show your appreciation in other ways. Mm. And just by, you know, I mean... I guess, delivering you know, great care <laughs> to mm. patients, which is what nurses do day in, day out. But that, and that's why they want to reward you. And my stepdad was in hospital a couple of years ago at Christmas. And bless him, he couldn't understand why he wasn't allowed to shove 20 pound notes at the nurses. <laughs> and I was like, you can't give them money. They can't accept it. So instead, we went out and bought stuff like, you know, similar things like chocolate, but anything that we could mm. give to them that the nurses could share. Because people really want to show their appreciation, don't mm. they? And uh, but they've just got to be a bit careful about how they do it, I guess. Okay, so uh, maybe now, Claire, would be time to tell us about your uh, ghost story oh, that you gosh, mentioned. Yes, well, this, yeah, is an yeah. in- this is an interesting one, isn't it, really? Yeah, now, yeah. I can't claim, these aren't my stories, I can't claim credit for these, but when I asked a few of my friends who are nurses um, about their memories of, you know, working at Christmas years ago when I was still, we were all working together or more recently... A couple of ghost stories came up. It was bizarre. One of my friends said that she used to work in um, a cardiothoracic Mm. surgery. And at night, there was a table in the middle of the ward. And the two nurses sat there. And uh, one of them looked at the other one and she said, can you see what I can see? And she said, yes, yes, they've been there for ages. Just ignore them. And what they were talking about was patients 
old pa patients of Christmas pastors, I think they termed it, sat around the table in stripy pajamas, and it's really strange because if one person sees it, you think, oh really? And then another one said she she saw a ghost when she was working on CCU. Her and another nurse saw a ghost when they were working in A and E, and I'm like, that's a question for our listeners, isn't it? Really. Are there ghosts? Or more so at Christmas? Are they there all year round? How many ghosts are there floating around in hospitals? I thought that was fascinating because I've personally never seen one, but um, I'd like to. I'd yeah. absolutely yeah. love to. People can get in touch if they have got any stories. Yeah, so. absolutely. Get Christmas yeah. ghost stories. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I guess pod at rcni.com. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Okay. And sort of uh, moving on, um, Kat, you've also been collecting throughout the year a number of uh, sort of stories of uh, sort of nurses acting as, as good Samaritans. Yeah, I mean we've had um, we've had a glut of stories this year about nurses who have you know while off duty have stepped in and, and saved the day really and really fantastic stories. I'll run through um, a couple of of the highlights. My personal favourite, I must say, was earlier this year at Blackpool Victoria Hospital. A&E nurses and a nursing student had to rush out into the car park. Um, a woman was in labour and, uh, you know, it was getting quite uh, close to the wire. Um, so with the help of a midwife who was passing in the car park as well, I think, they delivered the baby. And it turned out that the father was doctor at the hospital. <laughs> and... Um, I was just having a look at the story earlier, and his, his kind of quotes were, you know, the nurses really were wonderful. I was very scared. Um, <laughs> it's, it's as though all my medical experience had gone. So for him in his role of, you know, expectant father, his medical knowledge just went out the window. Yeah. These nurses, mm -hmm. you know, and a nursing student just basically saved the day. Um, so that, that was a particular highlight. But lots of examples of, you know, nurses driving home from a shift and something happens at the roadside we had a, a case I, it was two off-duty nurses from a Bradgate mental health unit in Leicestershire um, they spotted um, a, a cyclist who was having a cardiac arrest at the side of the road um, the, the man was taking part in a, a charity bike ride um, so they they stepped in two other nurses um, also just happened to be passing stepped in to help but every time we publish these stories and we share them on social media, there are always um, lots of comments about other people um, where they've had to step in. Um, you know, we've had everything from people doing on flights, um, at rugby mm. matches, in a chapel of rest um, at one point. Um, but it, it, it just seems to be increasingly, um, you know, it's very common. It's funny, isn't it, what you say about the whole world? Like, say, if you're on a plane or a train and you hear that, is there a doctor or a nurse on board? And your heart sort of sinks a bit because you think, oh my God, especially say if it's me and I haven't been in clinical practice for a while, yeah. you've got the knowledge, but you're not a practicing nurse. And all these thoughts, go, you know immediately you're going to go and help, mm. no matter what you're going to help, but you're, oh God, what am I going to be faced with? And I've been lucky whenever that's happened to me, there's always been either another nurse or a doctor. There was mm. once I remember somebody was having a heart attack on a train, but there was already a doctor and a nurse there. So between us, you know, we, we, we all helped, but... It's that thing of like, if you're on your own as well, it can be really quite stressful. But I was remember when I was very junior, I'd only been qualified about a year, six months to a year. And I was on a bus on the way to work and the bus driver stopped at the bus stop and there was a man collapsed at the bus stop. 
So he was being very diligent, the driver, and he said, oh, well, I can't move on. I can't just leave him there. The boss, people, people on the bus were going mad. They were like, oh, no, you can't. We've got to do this. So I said, look, I'm a nurse. I'll get off. I waited with him. It turned out he, he was just drunk. <laughs> he, was, uh, he drank too much and passed out. So I didn't have to do any uh, sort of CPR or anything. Like that. I waited with him, um, you know, got him to come round, chatting to him, and we called an ambulance because obviously it was freezing. It was winter time. And, you know, he had to be seen, he had to be checked out. And the ambulance came and gave me a lift to work, which I'm not saying where I was, because I think that's actually against the rules, so I'm not getting anyone in trouble. <laughs> but they gave me a lift in, so I arrived to work by ambulance, but as a passenger, I hasten to add. But it is, it's, it is stressful, but you always will go and see yeah, if you can help. It goes, you know, it's just what you do, isn't it? Well, it's, it's actually in the NMC code. Um, I mean, there's no Good Samaritan um, law, so there's no legal compulsion to sort of step in mm. as, you know, any any sort of normal member of the public. Um, but the NMC code does have a clause, um, and it does say that you, you should always help, offer help if an emergency arises. But you need to work. I think the key is you need to act within the limits of your knowledge and your yeah, competence. Exactly. Um, so I think, that, you know, with that example at Blackpool, Victoria Hospital, you know, they were helped by a midwife. Yes. So, what better person to sort of lead the care? But it is, um, yeah, it's all about acting within your competence. So, don't um, do anything to assess the situation. um, I think is the um, is the key, really. As you would in practice. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's. but I mean, I could I could fill the entire um, podcast with examples. Um, so it, it really is, you know, it's very common. Yes, indeed. I used to work with a nurse who had had so many off-duty incidents that she used to carry one of the pocket masks around with her and stuff, you know, oh, yes. for giving CPR. <laughs> yes. Because it had happened within a six-month period. I think there'd been like seven or eight instances wherever she happened to be, driving home, on a train, and she had to leap into action I think she was like oh god is it ever going to stop so she kept carrying this around with her just in case she needed it and then I think once she had all her equipment with her she didn't need it quite so much but it's it's yeah it's one of those things that it can happen a lot okay great so has anyone else got anything to share no the only thing I would say and I'll look at Jason here is did you ever get that you probably didn't because well see I'm stereotyping mental health did you ever get the Christmas ties? I got so many over the years. Oh. Um, interestingly, we you never wore one. Did you wear a tie? Uh, yeah. Because uh, of the risk of being yeah. Yeah, grabbed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's an interesting one. Though. Some people wore detachable ties. Yes. Mm. But I think that was in the late 80s. So yes. I think yeah. probably now, I'm not sure that people do wear ties anyway. No, because you would know you were saying, you know, what did you get you know things you got for christmas yeah. gifts and with the brand tubs and things the secret center and all that sort of thing yeah, yeah. um i never got anything overly oh i, I got socks socks <laughs> which are very welcome yeah yeah tea maybe a mug for the tea to go in and ties and i come from that era when those ties were the cartoon characters their yes. little santa being yes. rammed down yeah. the chimney yeah. I don't yeah. know why we don't see you in these now. Either. Well, because they're burnt, aren't they? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, socks is a good one, though. I mean, there's not many ways you can sort of zhuzh up your uniform, a bit of tinsel here and there, yeah. so we all used to go around in our <clears throat> in our Christmas socks. One of the things that I, that I recall as well, actually, was that when I had to work a couple of Christmases, is that 
Um, our boss would deliberately sort of like sort of overstaff, crikey, overstaffing a war day, but try and get as many people so that you could, you didn't have to necessarily work your full shift or if it was quiet, you could go home. But what if somebody phoned in sick, you didn't want to be understaffed. So the staffing would be slightly different. And um, I said, one of my, one of my friends though, she had to, she was down to do a night shift on, um, on Christmas day. So she's there all day, you know, stays completely sober and everything, doesn't have anything to drink because she's doing her night shift. She gets the call at five o'clock, you're not needed. So it's a bit of a, you know, she was like, oh, okay, but then she could have a drink. So it was lovely because obviously you're like, okay, I've got the shift off. But it would be, you know, a tendency to overstaff so that we could make it as, 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 as you know, as, as workable as possible for the staff gosh, and for the patients. But these days, oh gosh, <laughs> I know, I feel as though, I, yeah, just saying the words, it's, but we are going back 15 to 20 mm. years mm. when I was properly practicing on the ward and we all know things are a lot more, more difficult now, I think, than, than they were. Mm. Um, so, but yeah, we used to try and just make it as, as, as workable as possible so that everybody who's working Christmas and the patients all have the best time they can. Oh, we did have a Santa Claus as well once. One of our cardiology registrars mm. dressed as Santa. <laughs> there you go. What more can you want? <laughs> okay, well, thanks everyone for that. And um, I should say that all the uh, different uh, guidance and advice that we've mentioned from, from Mandy Day Calder, for example, and, and others, and some of the stories that talked about here as well, are available at rcni.com forward slash podcast. So really, it's just uh, left for us to uh, wish everyone a happy Christmas, uh, whether they are on the wards, in the community, or, or at home. Indeed. And to say a big thank you to all the nurses who are and all the other nurses, healthcare professionals and everybody who is working over Christmas, a big thank you to them for doing everything that they do. Happy Christmas! And finally, we have a lovely festive poem from one of our popular columnists, Jane Bates, and it's entitled My Message to NHS Managers This Festive Season. So, over to Jane. It was the night before Christmas, a stranger appeared, holding a clipboard, sporting a beard. Who's this? cried the nurses as they showed him the door. I'm NHS top brass. Need I say more? I've come to observe you and make sure you don't take seasonal liberties, as is your wont. This Christmas tree, you can kiss it goodbye. It harbours Staph aureus and E. coli, whatever they are. I don't really know. But the baubles, the tinsel, they'll all have to go. What do you mean? It makes things look jolly. The ivy is poisonous, and so is the holly. And what do I hear? Is that someone singing? A church choir. Oh, no. Not glad tidings they're bringing. They shouldn't be here. Get rid of them quick. All that love, joy and peace, it makes me feel sick. So what? They bring presents to cheer up the poorly. This could be deemed inappropriate, surely. And how can they sing of a babe in a manger? Don't they know that puts us in terrible danger of offending all other faiths and those without any? Have I asked them? Of course not. I don't know too many. But you must understand this is rudimentary to political correctness in the 21st century. And what am I seeing at the nurse's station? I must intervene in this dire situation. 
a tin of sweeties and glasses of water. Can't you understand that you really ought to not eat and drink unless on a break? Which I really don't care, you're too busy to take. I'm off. My family await me indoors and I'm frankly not bothered that you won't see yours until the day after Boxing Day. Just think of the money. OK, OK, I'm not trying to be funny. Stop waving that catheter tubing at me. I'm NHS top brass. And I think I should flee. And finally, have you entered the RCNI Nurse Awards? Hear what a heartwarming experience it is being a judge from one of our main judges, Yvonne Coghill, who's also the Deputy President of the RCN. Being part of the judging process has been a really wonderful experience. Listening to all of the wonderful uh, presentations, we have some fabulous nurses in our country, the, the work that they're doing, how they're doing it. Um, some of them even brought me to tears. I felt such enormous pride and privilege being able to listen to some of the work that people are doing and all for the benefit of our patients. It's a phenomenal and wonderful thing. So I just think it's, it's been a really heartening and uplifting experience for me.